Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. And you can reach us at our website, www.nkofcoc.com. And now that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Whitmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, an evangelist. And I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. We have some exciting things to talk about today as we see Jesus, who spent the greatest portion of his ministry in the region of Galilee, making his first general tour of Galilee, teaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, We'll look at Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. I think a point that needs to be made here, and we'll see this a lot as we continue through our study of the life of Christ, Lord willing, that in the Gospels, Jesus often removed himself from the crowds and the attention and, and went to his Father in prayer privately and it departed into a desert place. Now, desert place does not necessarily mean a barren region, void of vegetation. It, it's often used of a place of solitude, uh, uninhabited a place where privacy was available. Jesus taught us the value and the importance of prayer. The ministry of Jesus affected people like nothing else before, but it also affected him. Jesus was a man as well as God, and as he began to give himself so unrelentingly and unselfishly to the service of the sick and dying, to men and women lost in sin, I believe he felt the pressure and he felt the tension of the work. Regularly, therefore, Jesus availed himself of the comfort, strength, help, and inspiration that communication with his Father would provide. Here, early in the morning, following such a great day in the city of Capernaum, Jesus sought that help. Since Jesus is the example in whose footsteps we are to walk, that's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, then our lives should also be characterized by regular prayer, by regular communing with the Father. Yeah, we could all probably use a little bit more solitude in our lives, uh, switching off our phones and watches and everything. Uh, Simon's searching for him, the multitude searching for him. He's just trying to get away. And, and talk to his God. It's you know some people say that I'm just too busy to pray. Well, Jesus so busy he hasn't had time to eat in some circumstances, but somehow he finds the time for this necessity. 
and you contrast this with what the religious rulers were doing, Jesus is going to find some desert place, some solitary place. They're trying to find some street corner. Jesus wasn't for show. Uh, this was about his relationship with his God. And you know, finally, one more thing that I would add is if Jesus were a fraud, he's not going to be saying what he says in verse 38. Okay? If he's a fraud, he finds out that everyone is looking for you. If this was just about self-promotion, popularity, he's going to thrive on that kind of attention. No, he gets a multitude looking for him, and he's done. He's done his work there. He's ready to move on. He has more important things than popularity. Yeah, I just I love Jesus' focus on verse 38 that Ross just brought up there in um, the, the latter half of that I may preach there and this is why I came his focus on what was what he was there to do I um, mean fulfilling all the prophecies fulfilling the law um, he, he was so focused and we don't know necessarily from verse 35 what he prayed about specifically but I think we can almost see a sense of possibly what was included in that prayer was the idea of making sure he was doing what needed to be done the um, and, and there's no need to speculate into necessarily what he was praying about, but certainly the focus that Jesus had on making sure all was accomplished and doing God's will, even when, like for example in the garden, he may have wanted it to go another way, but God's will was more important. You know, as Jesus was devoting himself to prayer that morning, I find it interesting that Simon Peter was leading a multitude of people on a search for him. I guess, really, it's not hard to imagine the scene and what Peter was thinking at the time. The previous day had been a wonderful day as Jesus performed miracles in Capernaum. The excitement of the city would have reached a very high pitch because word of the works of Jesus would have spread even further. And the city of Capernaum would have been filling with people anxious to see and to hear Jesus. But in the morning, there was no Jesus. Peter, an impetuous sort of person, and still very early in his discipleship, took it upon himself to remedy the situation. Finding Jesus, he said, all are looking for you. The multitude sought to persuade Jesus to remain in Capernaum, but Capernaum was not the only city to which Jesus had been sent. He would go to other towns, other cities of Galilee, teaching them the good tidings of the kingdom of God. So Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, <coughs> excuse me, and healing the sick and demon-possessed. News of the work of Jesus spread north into Syria, the region just north of Palestine under Roman rule. Great multitudes came from many different places to follow Jesus. They came from Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, even from the Decapolis or the ten Greek cities, following Jesus. Anybody have anything to add to this? All right, let's look at the next event, the cleansing of the leper. We might as well stay in Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Luke chapter 5 verses 12 through 16. 
And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man was full of leprosy, saw Jesus, and fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So Jesus, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus left Capernaum and his campaign carried him through the cities of Galilee. Many were healed and the gospel of the kingdom of God was proclaimed. The healing of this leper is recorded as a striking example of the healing ministry of Jesus. It's found in Matthew chapter 8. Mark chapter 1, and of course Luke chapter 5. Perhaps we ought to ask ourselves, what is leprosy? What are we talking about here? I'm going to read what the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia has to say about it. It called leprosy a slowly progressing and intractable disease characterized by subcutaneous nodules, scabs, or cuticular crusts and white shining spots appearing to be deeper than the skin. Other signs are that the hairs of the affected area turn white, and later there is a growth of quick, raw flesh. This disease in a special manner rendered its victims unclean. Even contact with a leper defiled whoever touched him. So while the cure of other diseases is called healing, that of leprosy is called cleansing. This miracle took place in an unnamed city of Galilee and demonstrates the great faith of that man. As he approached Jesus, it was necessary to enter into the city, which was contrary to the letter of the law of Moses. Leviticus chapter 13 verses 45 and 46 says, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. But this man's faith caused him to drop to his knees before Jesus, even falling on his face, and offering homage to the Lord, saying simply, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You know, on on another instance, uh, someone came to Jesus saying, Lord, uh, if you can do anything, you know, please help. Uh, Asking, uh, maybe maybe if you can, uh, this man doesn't have any, uh, any vacillation of his faith, because he says, if you are willing... You can make me clean, rather than if you can do anything, please, please help. So there is there's great faith in this man. I appreciate also the compassion of Jesus in in touching this man who had not been touched uh, from the moment this leprosy began to break out upon him. 
he would have been unclean and would not have known uh, the feel of touch for for some time, perhaps. Would not have had hugs when he was down, would not have had the pat of a man's uh, hand on his back, the affirmation of human touch. But Jesus here reaches out and touches him, uh, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. That brings up an interesting question about Jesus. Did he break the law by obviously intentionally touching a leper? And I think the answer to that is that we should first of all note the spirit and the purpose of the law. Touch was prohibited because it defiled the person touching and aided not the person touched. In Jesus' case, the reasons for this law were absent. The conditions being reversed, touching defiled not the toucher and actually healed the one being touched. So Jesus was, shall we say, above the law at this time. Some say that Jesus had the right to touch the leper because he was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, but he transcends the Old Testament since he was a maker of both the Old Testament and the New. He shows his sympathy for the man and his absolute power over the disease by touching the leper. He was in no danger of taking or spreading the disease. He is the great physician who can heal all the ills of man. The law of love Jesus held superseded the ceremonial law. Yeah, I think this story really shows that Jesus touches the situations no one else would. I mean, this is just as um, Ross pointed out specifically that, no, I mean, this, this leper had not had human touch and been an outcast. And Jesus is going to touch this, this man and immediately, immediately the leprosy is going to leave him. I think it's just an amazing thing that no situation is going to put you too far from the hand and touch of God. Uh, that God is able to work with our situations, is able to help with the trials that we are facing, and is right there. Um, and for us, it's certainly to go to him and to understand that he can make us clean and to go to the, the great physician, as he is often referred to. You know, simply at the word of Jesus, this man was cleansed of his leprosy. And the parallel passages indicate that two commands were then given to this man. See thou tell no one, and go and show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Well, I want to deal with the second command first. He was told to go to the priest. There are three reasons why he was thus commanded. First, it was part of the law of Moses, Leviticus chapter 14, well, almost all of Leviticus chapter 14. Secondly, it was for his cleansing. You know, the priests were very much the health officials of the nation. And before the leper could be received back into society, he had to go to the priest for inspection. And the priest was then able to render the decision one way or another. It was for also the priests themselves. They and other national leaders of the Jews did not believe in Jesus. A man thus healed by the Lord of the terrible disease of leprosy made them confront the evidence. The first command was, 
See thou tell no man. The man did not obey this command, and it is obvious why. He had been cured of leprosy and was so overjoyed that it appears he couldn't contain himself. He began to spread abroad the word of his cleansing. The reaction was so great that Jesus had difficulty in the cities because of the multitudes that came to hear him and to be healed. Ultimately, Jesus had to resort to uninhabited places, and the crowds would come to him there. Luke also shows us that again Jesus withdrew himself to pray. We might ask, why command the man to tell no one? Several reasons come to mind. First of all would be the messianic expectations of the people. They expected a political messiah who would throw off the Roman yoke in a military fashion. Jesus sought to keep this excitement to a minimum early in his ministry. Secondly, to allow time to complete his work, thus avoiding the final confrontation with the Jewish leaders. And thirdly, to demonstrate what kind of Messiah he was. Uh, you asked earlier, what, did Jesus violate the law? I think verse 14 clearly shows that the law of Moses was very plainly on his mind. Uh, he, he isn't acting as a uh, an opponent of Moses's law or come in as though he came to destroy the law of Moses. He's, he's in compliance, just as Moses commanded. That was important to Jesus. Also, uh, as you mentioned, concerning him being charged not to mention it to anyone, but he, he just could not contain himself. And the message, I think about ourselves, uh, we've been told to go out and proclaim it widely. And uh, I, I don't think there's any room here when we compare ourselves to this example uh, to have strictly a, uh, let, let them see my good deeds that I do. Let me shine my light and that will be my only testimony. Uh, no, that didn't work for the woman at the well. That did, doesn't work here. These people could not keep from opening their mouths. Yes, we show by our conduct that God has changed us. We shine our light and hopefully cause people to glorify God. But there's no substitute for opening our mouths and telling people what, uh, what God has done for us. You know what else there's no substitute for? And that is found in verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If Jesus needed to pray for the comfort and the power that he would receive from his Father... We need to make use of prayer as well. And Jesus is our example. And obviously, prayer played a tremendously important part in his life. So that will wrap up this particular program today. The next step we'll see is the healing of a paralytic. Another wonderful work that Jesus will do. We appreciate each and every one of you out there who is listening. You can contact us by going to our website, www.nkcofc.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and until the next time, thanks for listening.